Hello. Thank you for tuning in to The MedVets. My brother and I created this platform to spread the power of optimism and education with simple conversation. Our only goal is to inspire healthier communities by connecting people and stories. Thanks for listening. The Force is with you, young Skywalker. But you are not a Jedi yet. Note to our listeners, due to social distancing restrictions, today's episode may sound different. The MedVets appreciate your understanding. Jake, thanks for joining us again on the MedVets. If you could just start off by saying what it is you do. Jake is with the EMS Battalion Chief EMS for the Frisco Fire Department. What is your everyday role entail as an EMS Battalion Chief and EMS Emergency Medical Services and how that relates to fire? Sure. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate the opportunity. I'm a battalion chief over the EMS division for the Frisco Fire Department. And in this region, as and is very common throughout the country, many fire departments also serve as the EMS Emergency Medical Services Agency in their communities providing 911 services in addition to to fire suppression, fire prevention, hazardous materials response, a, a lot of things. Fire departments do a lot more than than fight fires these days. <laughs> My role is to oversee all of the emergency medical services operations with, within our mission. A typical day for me is, uh, is, is mostly administrative work and uh, working with our EMS medical director to prepare training, do quality control functions, case reviews, things of that nature. The point of contact with all the area hospitals, so I maintain those relationships so we can communicate on, on specific cases or trends or service lines. I also serve on uh, numerous committees throughout the, the region. So it's really, really my job to oversee all the administrative functions of the emergency medical services division and provide those that are out there running the calls with whatever it is they need to, mm. to be successful in their job. Got it. When I was younger, I would call, I, I would always think the quickest way to call my mom at work would be call 911. <laughs> <laughs> and, I would, and I would get a direct line to her. And I did with the cops showing up at my grandma's door. So <laughs> when we dial the 911 line, let's say if it's for a fire, or let's say I'm just, uh, someone, someone just fainted right? I'm at a store. Does that call, does it get direct to EMS or to an operator then that directs it to EMS? Here in Frisco, our 911 communication center fields calls and dispatches for police, fire, and EMS. So it's a, it's a singular point of intake. The call taker would then route the call to the police or fire dispatcher who is physically in the same room for them to begin dispatching units. So it's pretty seamless. That's a pretty consistent model mm. where not the, the call taker has, has a direct line of contact with all services to minimize any delays in response. 
I was always, you know, curious. I've seen the ambulance that is company owned. What are the differences? Ambulance services in in a lot of areas of the country are provided by by third party companies, privately owned entities. Those companies are do exist in our region as well. In some cases, city and county governments contract with those those companies to provide their 911 services. Here in Frisco, as, as is, is a, the standard regional model, most of the city governments are around have chosen to provide that service internally with their fire department resources, fire department employees. However, there's still a business out there and a need for private ambulance contractors to provide non-emergency transfers. Classic scenario that, that happens countless times every day is a patient in a skilled nursing facility may need to get to their doctor appointment or even get to a, a scheduled procedure at the hospital. And and the, the private ambulance contractors are the ones that, that provide that service so that the 911 ambulances are reserved for emergencies. Sometimes during these calls, has like a video call concept or telehealth been implemented or, or even where do you see that going in the future? to kind of maybe alleviate an ambulance going out to a site where maybe it could have been handled with a video call to actually see what's going on in that type of scenario. There, There is a, it's actually a, a relatively new trend in, I would say, in, in the last two to three years. There have been a shift in EMS towards that that kind of model. A lot of these are called programs that have started are called community healthcare problems, and excuse me, community community healthcare pro programs, <laughs> not problems. <laughs> it solves a it solves a problem. It, it uh, does. <laughs> and the way that works is generally the cities identify some of their higher higher utilizers of Mm -hmm. 911 services and and those trends of non-emergent activations of the 911 system and utilize this community health care model which is uh, you know a couple usually a couple of paramedics uh, in in a some sort of passenger vehicle or utility vehicle that make house calls and they stop in and check in on those folks on a scheduled basis make sure they're taking their medications they don't have any unmet needs etc to avoid more serious problems down the road a component of that is certainly telemedicine which is gaining a lot of traction in current climate with with covid those paramedics when they get out there if they find a condition or 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 a need where they need to consultation with the physician usually our, our medical director then, then they can do telehealth consultation in that manner. So our industry is, is still very much built to respond to people's needs in an emergent manner. And it still requires a lot of face-to-face uh, and individual assessment, but uh, video uh, technology is, we are finding new ways to use it. And I think mm-hmm. uh, in, the, in the coming years, I think that will, continue to expand to increase efficiencies. How did you get involved with EMS and, and, and the fire department? Like what, what, how did you start? What was your passion for it? All firefighters have to have a minimum of emergency medical technician basic, EMT basic 
certification. In our department, most have a paramedic certification because our assignments, whether you're assigned to the ambulance or, or fire truck or rescue vehicle, are not dedicated assignments. So uh, we're cross-trained. And so when I got into this uh, line of work almost 21 years ago, that was just the expectation. Some days you come to work and you you ride an ambulance and you provide mostly medical services and other days you ride a fire truck. And I always had a, a passion for for EMS, I, I just I just like medicine, and and I also liked uh, the fact that uh, every time we make a call, there's an opportunity for a one-on-one impact to to make a difference. I think we all got into this business with a a, a servant's heart, and we want to make a difference. We want to help people, and uh, that's an opportunity to to do that on on an individual basis multiple times a day. So. I always liked that. I've served in a lot of different roles in, in the fire department, uh, served as a captain on an engine company and a truck company. I worked in the fire prevention bureau for, for a little while. And when I promoted a battalion chief, uh, the EMS chief was the open spot. It, it gave me an opportunity to circle back and get, get more involved in the medical aspect of this uh, fire and emergency services that I really had a passion for at an earlier time in my career. So a lot of people don't understand how that work, you know, that, that we are all cross-trained. It's not separate agencies, although the, the, the label on the side of the truck says fire department, uh, as I alluded to earlier, we, we do a lot more than fight fire. So. Yeah. Okay. What are some assumptions that, you know, people have about EMS departments and, and firefighters? The stereotype, if you will, that, was present uh, when I got into this this line of work, and and hopefully we've done a good job of 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 getting rid of that. But I'm sure it's still there. Is that you know firefighters sit around all day playing cards or, or taking naps or or whatever it is that they're doing, waiting on calls, and that is absolutely not the case. Every day is 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 filled with with training and prevention activities, whether it's out doing building surveys, learning the buildings in your district, or EMS training, fire training, we're busy all the time. Although, yes, the firefighters do sleep here overnight, they are available to respond around the clock. I can assure you it is it is not a restful uh, sleep. It's, it's, a, it's a purposeful sleep, and they, they stand ready to respond uh, at, a, at a moment's notice. So that's really the biggest stereotype that I feel like we've all spent our career trying to turn around. Our response force, our emergency services professionals work tirelessly to practice their craft so that they can be successful when the citizens need us. And I hope that that is the new stereotype. And that's kind of one of the stereotypes that I assumed as well. That's why I just wanted to put that out there. Because, yeah, you know, we see TV and we just say, hey, they're not really active. But when I was in the military, I knew a couple of guys that were firefighters. And like you said, they are very active. They're continuing their education and it's really making sure that they are always readily available. So I wanted to ask that question and and hear it from you so that we can see the effort and everything everything you guys do on a daily basis. So, you know, I appreciate, you know, you guys. Appreciate your recognition and opportunity to address that. And I think mm-hmm. you mentioned the military. Uh, thank you. Thank you for your service. And, and all, I wasn't in the military. 
I, I, I think the, 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 the military concept of you're training, training for a war that you may never fight, but you always do the training. Correct. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's exactly the way we approach our job. We are constantly training for the, for the worst case scenario, making sure that we're prepared for whatever happens. I mean, generally speaking, when someone picks up the phone and calls 911, it's because they don't know the answer to the problem mm-hmm. and they mm-hmm. expect us to know the answer. That is what we spend all of our time when we're not responding is, is doing what we can to either prevent emergencies from occurring or being prepared to, to address them when they do. I always saw firefighters in the same line as military, even, you know, correctional officers, police officers, you know, you wake up every day and you never really truly know what's going to happen. It's almost like as if every day when you go in, you're, you're kind of putting yourself at, in that war. So you always have to be prepared for that. And what, what kind of toll would you say that takes on a family, right? Like just not knowing the daily outcome of the next day, right? I mean, that, I would say that plays a hard role. So I see the military firefighters, police officers, and, and even healthcare <laughs> physicians, doctors, nurses, all playing a very key essential role of where the, the, that day-to-day outcome is not promised, right? So there may be those lax days, but when you when you got to be ready to go to war, you need to know what what it takes to be ready and be prepared mentally. It is an investment on the part of the whole family. I don't think most of our families hang in the balance day in and day out, worrying about our safety. But it's there when you when when they see something on the news, you know, the kids may say, "Dad, have you ever seen anything like that?" or you know, and they, 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 they connect those dots of what's going on in the community. Well, my, my family member is out there dealing with that. It certainly, I think, creates a sense of reality for our family members to what, what we are seeing and doing on a daily basis. And, and there, there is a, a burden. There's an anxiety. There's, there's worry. It takes some understanding and, and commitment yeah. on family members. It, it uh, does. And what a lot of people don't know is that what I just learned, because we work with a charity called Ultimate Sacrifice Association, but when firefighters, police officers get injured in the line of duty, it becomes a worker's comp claim. And that, that part right there, I know, can be very stressful on a lot of firefighters if they're not within a specific county or city because I know it changes throughout. So depending on which department you're working for and which county you're in, there's different types of bylaws and laws that you know each department adheres to. So when you get injured in that line of duty, some people aren't as fortunate to actually return to work and that end up really in an unfortunate situation. Here in Frisco, I feel like we've been very blessed and, and employees that, that have been injured in the line of duty have always been been taken care of and and gotten the care they need and been able to get back to work and so you you see these stories where it's an extreme challenge and and I certainly my heart goes out to those folks that that are that are you know have have gotten gotten injured trying to protect the community and then wind up in, in, in a, in a bureaucratic struggle to get the care they need. But as I said, here in Frisco, I think we're very blessed to, to have good coverage and, and, and our city leadership takes really, really good care of us. As far as the responders, uh, I mean, it, 
it's it's a very physical job. I, I've said this before, and I've heard it said many times. It, you really are a professional athlete. And Absolutely. Your well being, your performance on the job, and, and, and your livelihood for your family depends on your your physical ability to mm-hmm. to do the job. And so uh, we are. We, we put a lot of focus on employee health, annual physicals and physical fitness programs. And, and that kind of ties back into to the stereotype. Well, the firefighters get paid to work out. They get paid to perform in, in extreme conditions and they have to work out in order to do that. I think it's a very it's a different perspective. So employee health is a huge focus for us to try and avoid these long-term disability situations. A big thing for us industry-wide, nationally and internationally, is cancer prevention. Firefighters getting, I know we're, we're talking mostly about EMS, but it's all one and the same around here. And, and, and firefighters are much more likely to get an occupational cancer than, than, than the average citizen. We're doing everything we can to, to prevent that from happening. After they've served their community for a number of years, they can go on and live healthy lives in retirement. That's interesting because I never really thought about that. I think that's actually a good point because you guys are dealing with smoke inhalation on a continual basis. And yeah, I can now see how cancer can play a part in the lives of firefighters. Huh. So thank you for bringing that to my attention. Absolutely. 20 years ago, it was kind of a in the back of your mind, but now it is it is at the forefront. And it's not just an inhalation exposure. Everything in these buildings these days is made of plastics, and when it burns, it's carcinogen. And so uh, we have policies in place now where when we come out of the building, we have wet wipes, basically, to wipe all the soot off of us as, as quickly as possible. We bag up all of our gear. We have second sets of gear, which was unheard of even 10 years ago to where our gear can be washed and we can finish out the, the shift and clean gear, minimize that exposure as much as, as possible. Because what you're seeing is, is the generations that came before us have, have an extremely high likelihood of getting cancer and identifying ways that we can prevent that. With different cities, we have a lot of traffic. So how difficult is it for you guys to get through the traffic when they are a car accident? It is a challenge. It's one that we have been able to address very well with with technology. We have on all of our, our emergency response vehicles a device called an Opticom. And it, it's, a, it's a strobe light basically that flashes at a, a programmed frequency that changes all the traffic signals for us. Uh, it gives okay. us green, green lights everywhere we go when activated. What that does is allows the traffic to clear in front of us. It, it's actually very reliable wow. in, in, in doing that. Here in Frisco, every traffic signal ha- has the Opticoms and all of our fire engines and ambulances have the, the devices to activate them. So. Traffic is is a challenge, but our traffic engineers here for the city uh, do a great job, and we have that in place. They're always looking at te- technology to solve problems, and and they're looking at ways 
to integrate with other, you know, crowdsourcing applications like Waze, for instance. To, uh, <laughs> that was, that was, that's actually what I was going to ask. Do you got, use Waze or Google Maps? But go ahead. We, we actually use an internal uh, okay. system, but but the crowdsourcing presents some opportunities to take the closest unit that's being dispatched, and you know the address, and and using using that that crowdsourcing platform be able to not only identify the shortest route but able to calculate traffic into that so because mm -hmm. shortest doesn't always mean fastest the one constant in the city of frisco is change <laughs> we're growing and mm -hmm. we, we have been for the last 25 years and so we have to consistently look at things a little bit outside the box to try and stay ahead of it absolutely i don't want to take too much of your time but so just Last thing here, before we wrap up, we talked about, you know, the overall community and a little bit about family, but what does the Frisco Fire Department offer like any family programs or do any family day gatherings to promote that community within? The fire service is, is very, very rich in tradition. Lots of uh, ceremonies going back uh, to, you know, basically revolutionary war days. So, we, we do have a lot of ceremonies, promotional ceremonies, annual awards banquets, badge pinning ceremonies. All of those are our family events. We, you know, we get dressed up in our dress uniforms, mm -hmm. but they're never too stuffy. You know, kid, obviously spouses and, and, and kids are always welcome and, and, and we keep it fun and we want, we want them to be a part of those types of celebrations. So, so we, we try to make our fire service family part of our fire service families as much as, as they want to, to be a part of part of that. So it's uh it's fun. It's certainly fun to have that environment where, you know, yeah. to, to see a, son or a daughter get to pin their dad's badge on them when they get promoted or, or their mom get uh, promoted, you know, to receive their, their new red helmet as a lieutenant or a captain or, you know, it, it's neat to, for the whole family to get to, to take part in that celebration. Mm -hmm. How has everything been during today's COVID era and social distancing? It does look more gradually, pretty steady. Have you guys been getting a lot more calls? taking a lot more precautions like what what has that scene look like for you guys it's been a challenge our focus is taking care of our our workforce our employees so mm -hmm. that they can in turn take care of the citizens and that's been a pretty successful uh, approach i feel very confident as as the leader of our ems division that as long as i have a supply chain of of ppe for our folks Mm -hmm. then, then we're going to be fine and we're going to continue to be able to take care of citizens in this in this really difficult time early on there were certainly some question marks uh on on supply chain and stuff but uh we were in a pretty good position we actually previously rewinding back to the Ebola scare in the Dallas area, we began stockpiling PPE then in preparation for a pandemic type event. And so we were in a decent spot when this started that, that allowed supply chains to catch up. Um, and, and 
and knowing that 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 our folks are properly protected certainly helps and it helps them to know that that they have everything they need to go out and, and, and do their job they've never had to worry about their loved one bringing the problem home to them and that's now the concern the concept of of isolation and social distancing is not fun and and it's hard in a in a fire station environment because for brief periods of time 24 hours at a time that is their residence that's that's where they eat, sleep, shower with, with other members trying to maintain social distancing protocols and stuff. It, when you're through those type of life activities, mm-hmm. it's difficult. Uh, you know, if you can imagine having to keep your guard up under the current rules and regs that you do in public, mm-hmm. maintain that when you go home. And with with your family members, so stay six feet apart at all times, even even when you're home. That's kind of that's that's how it is uh, in the fire station. Like you know, everybody can't sit down at the at the dinner table at the same time. Yeah, it has to be difficult. Uh, so you know, in some cases, uh, you know, they've sh- the the captain and lieutenant have shared offices. So those are, they can't be in the office at the same. They got to kind of rotate time. So. Those are some some cultural challenges that you really can't even forecast. So that's one role that cannot be uh, be done remotely. So yes, you can't you can't do that in front of a computer screen or a Zoom call. So some of our administrative staff work from home early mm-hmm. on, and some of that can be done. But when someone picks up the phone and calls nine one one, a fire truck or an ambulance or police car has to go out the door. There's mm-hmm. there's there's no way around it. A lot of our focus in the last three to four months is just constantly evaluating the science and the data uh, to make sure we're doing everything we can to protect our folks while they're doing that. And and we've been very successful. We've had a few of our responders get sick. Uh, all have recovered. If you had told me when this started, that we had only only had a handful of of folks, I w- I would have not believed that. I'm very pleased with the way that they've been their utilization of their PPE and protecting themselves so that we can maintain our workforce and can continue to take care of our citizens. I do want to put this out there, and Marcus asked you not to, but I'm going to put him on the spot. <laughs> he wants to be a part of the the calendar. And he hasn't seen that in a while. You know, he's trying to get his body in shape to be Mr. November. And so <laughs> uh, we, are, we are looking for people to be in your calendar. You know, Marcus could be one. And I know I'm only joking because I know I'm one of the stereotypes also. <laughs> we're, we're no different than anyone else. We're just ordinary people. We're just uh, willing to do <laughs> doing some pretty extraordinary things. Our, our department's blessed with with a workforce of, of people who are, are just really have a passion for service. That's really the bottom line. It is. It's, uh, being, it is. being willing to take care of, of, of people. Everything else can be taught. Yeah. It's hard to teach that. So. I agree. And, you know, we thank you and the whole Frisco Fire Department for making a difference in the community. 
and we really appreciate you joining us on this call today. Well, thank you very much for having me. I, I, I certainly really enjoy the opportunity and uh, wish you the most success with the with your podcast. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thank you. Y'all have a good afternoon. You too. Take care. Bye-bye.